Colts Nation, huge win against the Raiders, as is every win for the Indianapolis Colts at this point, of course, but we can put this one behind us happily, woof, wipe the sweat off the head, I know we were all nervous, and before we even get into the game, just real quick, listen, I am far from like an Indianapolis sex symbol, right, and I certainly am not capable of growing any facial hair that would even make me reasonably more attractive than I already am, Aiden O'Connell, his mustache, I mean, my lord. Somebody close to that guy has to tell him to shave that damn thing off. I mean, he literally looks like when he's not dishing passes to Devontae Adams on a Sunday that he's trying to lure kids into his van. I mean, shit, it is bad. I don't mean to come down on the guy. I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that. But that face right there, right, that one on Aiden O'Connell is not the one that you want as the face of your franchise, at least as long as he has that mustache, right? I mean, the thing has got to go. But that's neither here nor there. We got to talk about the game because we were so nervous Going in, we walk away with the win, and for some reason, I don't really feel all that excited coming out of it. Now, the energy I have on this camera may tell you otherwise, but the game really did feel like more of a precursor to the game we've all been waiting for, which is this final one coming up against the Houston Texans. And realistically, if the Colts were unable at home to go and beat a depleted Raiders team that isn't really all that good, defense was playing solid, but you look at the, the unit as a whole, wasn't a unit to be scared of. If the Colts were unable to win that game, they had no right ever being in the playoff picture to begin with. So nice to see them validate what I think about the team and validate what many of us think about the team is that they do belong. They should be here right now. And sure enough, we're in a position, thank you, by the way, to Kansas City, who was able to hold on against Cincinnati. We are now in a position where we win and we're in, and that's it. Remember, coming into the week, it was if the Colts won out, they would have a 96% chance of making the playoffs. The only scenario in which they were to not make the playoffs and win out were if the Jaguars were to win out, the Bills were to win out, and the Bengals were to win out against the Chiefs and the Browns. And not for anything, if the Bengals had managed to beat both of those teams, particularly with the way they whooped our ass earlier in the season, the Bengals would have deserved it. It would be good for them, and they would have deserved it over us. There would have been no questions, but... Obviously, that is a moot point because they did lose to the Chiefs, and now the Colts are in a spot where all they have to do is win the game against the Texans. And the idea that a team led by Garner Minshew at the helm, one, no disrespect, no, whoop, little burp right there, no disrespect to Garner Minshew, of course. But once again, the guy came in, played a clean game, missed one to Pierce early down the field, but was able to come back for the biggest play of the game and hit him again, right? The idea that a team led by Garner is on the verge, potentially, of going 10-7, and seven, clinching a playoff spot, perhaps even getting a long-awaited division title. I, I mean, the idea that that is even possible is something to marvel at, right? It is really something special. It should not go missed. We should not be trashing Garner Minshew for what he can't do. We should be praising him for what he can do, right? The story has been, at least on the national stage at this point, a little bit overshadowed by what Joe Flacco and the, uh, not the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cleveland Browns have been doing. But I mean, you know, this is a cold show. I just want to celebrate how incredible it is, win or lose against the Texans, what we've been able to do here with Garner Minshew. I think on some level, we should all appreciate that regardless of a playoff berth. That being said, at the end of the day, 
all it's about is winning in this league. And of course, if we have the opportunity, we want to be in the playoffs. We will be incredibly disappointed if we don't make it. But I just want to set the picture now, set the stage now. If we, for some reason, go in there and lose against the Texans, this right here has been an awesome season for the Indianapolis Colts. A huge bounce back season, and you can't help but be excited about the future of the team. But of course, we are here to talk about that game against the Raiders just a little bit. Should be a quick one today. Going to talk about basically just my main takeaways, and then we'll be on to the rest of the week. We'll be on to Houston, right? But without further ado, let's get into it. I always have to introduce myself before we do get into it. You guys already know this, though. My name is Justin. This right here is the Ryan the Bench Coltscast. As always, if you're enjoying the show, go ahead, shoot it a like. It's going to help me get out to as many Colts fans as humanly possible. About half of you, as per the statistics, about 50% of the people that watch this show are not subscribed. So if that is you and you keep coming back and you aren't enjoying the content, or rather you are enjoying the content, please go ahead and subscribe. We're really, really close to 2,000. That's a goal right now. Uh, you know, before 3,000, 5,000, I, do I have a New Year's resolution for subscribers by the end of the year? No, not really, because it's out of my control. If we could get to 5,000 by the end of 2024, that would be absolutely spectacular. But 2,000 comes first. It starts with you hitting the button. And one more thing, promise, I'll make it short. We just released the audio version, or we should have, I hope. If any of you guys who have been here for a while could just go ahead, click, I have the link in the description of this video, and just leave a five-star review on whatever it is your, your, your favorite listening platform is. You, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, you know, that would be greatly appreciated. It's very, very hard to, for an audio version of any show to be found without reviews. If you guys do that, I'd be grateful. But without further ado, let's talk about the Raiders game. I want to talk a bit about Gus Bradley and the defense to start because I went very far out of my way to talk about them in the game preview. And I, what I really, my message was, is that this was not a game for the Colts to just sit back and watch. We know we play all of the zone defense. We sit back and, and that whole thing. And we rely on that defensive line. But my big thing going into this game was with the season on the line, if the defensive line was unable to get to eight and O mustache on time, we were going to have to dial it up. And you know what? This is what the Colts did, right? They did not sit back and watch. They did indeed mix it up far more than usual. Now on paper, Aiden O'Connell is like almost 300 yards. Devontae Adams had 13 receptions, 126 yards, a touchdown or two, right? All that doesn't look great, but realistically, 13 points, I guess 20 points, out of the Raiders, really one of them was on the EJ speed penalty, right? That game could have been over significantly earlier than it was, if not for that penalty. But listen, it's not just as easy as blitz, blitz, blitz. All the talk about blitzing, the first drive that the Raiders had, they had two third and very long. I think third and 16 and third and 19. I might be wrong about those numbers, but they were far, far further than the 10 yards that you would normally need. We dialed up the blitz on both of those plays and they converted both of those, right? Aiden O'Connell immediately passed the test as to whether or not he was going to be able to handle the blitz. And I thought from there, Gus Bradley kind of went back to what he normally did. And I don't really hate it because it goes back a lot to what I have said on this channel before. It is not as simple as just blitzing, right? Particularly when you have a secondary that is an, as inexperienced as the one that we have right now, particularly on a day without Kenny Moore. Juju Brents, absolutely love what he brings to the table. He has missed a lot of time, a lot of it, right? Jalen Jones has been our best corner for majority of the season on the outside. He's a rookie seventh rounder. Chris Lamonts came in, 
played admirably. I loved the effort that he had this week. Talk about taking advantage of an opportunity, but it doesn't change the fact that that is an incredibly young unit. And when we look at this Colts team, the strength has been the pass rush. We've been able to get to the quarterback. Does it happen in spurts? Sure. But if you're struggling in coverage to take people out of coverage to assist a pass rush that is already one of the top five to seven in football, it kind of just sounds like addition by subtraction to me in terms of making sure that you're covering on the back end. Ultimately, I think Gus Bradley taking the approach he has throughout the course of this season has really potentially been the best course of action for this defense. Now, that can't be proven by any means, but I do just want to point that out for all you that say blitz. We did in this game. We got burned on a few of them, and it just goes to show that it isn't quite as simple as we always think. Perhaps a lesson for some of you that think you know everything about defense, which, by the way, no one does. Certainly not me. Certainly not you. And not even Gus Bradley himself, right? I mean, there's always something to learn. And if he has something to learn, we have everything to learn, right? One thing I did miss going into this game, a detail that I was unaware of, was that Ronnie Harrison Jr. actually got the start at strong safety over Rodney Thomas. Now, I was listening to Gus Bradley's media availability, and someone asked him just about why that was. Now, nobody had the sense that God gave geese to ask him if that was going to be something that we can expect moving forward. Of course, this is why they need me asking the questions over there, but that's neither here nor there. Nonetheless, is that going to be the plan going forward? We don't know. Why did he do it this game? Gus Bradley said it had everything to do with the game plan for the week specifically, uh, but it's going to be something for us monitoring moving forward. You would have thought, right? That they might, Am I crazy there? The natural follow-up would be, hey, well, is he going to be starting next week, right? I mean, wouldn't you ask that question? Now, he may not answer, but Lord, I mean, no one even tried. It's ridiculous. So anyway, on to the offensive side of the ball before I give you the rest of your day back. What a difference Michael Pittman Jr. makes for this offense, the way he just stabilizes the entire thing, right? Not a monster game for him, but ultimately did lead the team in receptions. But when you look at Garner Minshew and just how comfortable he can feel, all of that has to do with Michael Pittman's presence. I mean, he had that one huge conversion on a broken play. And what he means to this offense, Michael Pittman Jr., is really unquantifiable. I don't know if anyone could even argue it at this point, but I continue to hammer it home for all you guys that give Michael Pittman Jr. a hard time. Jonathan Taylor, nice day out of him. One thing I was saying coming into the week or coming out of last week, one of the two is that we got to get this run game going. And in my opinion, it had to be done under center, right? I have no stats whatsoever to back this up. Just what I watch. I've been watching football for a little bit of time now, although I am I'm about to be 27 actually this Saturday. If the Colts beat the Texans, it will be a wonderful birthday gift for me, January 6th. 20, no big deal. You guys can play in gifts if you want. That's neither here nor there. But I thought they had to get it done under center. It was nice to see them do that, but more in this one. Jonathan Taylor is far more the type of guy that runs better in that idea as opposed to like the RPO shotgun kind of shuffling around type of concept. Just let him get ahead of steam. Line Garner Minshew up on her center. Have him tickle Ryan Kelly's you-know-what and hand that thing off to Jonathan Taylor and let him run straight. Let him do what he does. I thought he looked very good in this game. We're going to have to monitor the injury situation. As I said last week, I saw him holding the thumb in that game. Once again, saw him holding the hand a little bit in this one and also a little bit of a neck injury here. So we're going to have to see what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. But ultimately, I really do like what Trey Sermon has brought to the table when they have him out there. Now, historically, he has an issue fumbling the football, but for the Colts, other than that one where he got flipped upside down on his head and it wasn't a fumble, he's really been able to hold on to the ball quite nice. Pause. But, you know, that's what we're looking at right there. And then Gardner Minshew, final point. Sure, it is not always pretty 
out of Garner. But when he protects the football, when he plays clean, in fact, when we protect him, the guy is a playmaker. And there's no question about it, period. Huge win right here against the Raiders. That's about all I took from it. I'm not going to sit here and talk down on much of it. I just wanted to give my thoughts, you know, just just because, right? I mean, it is what we do, but next time you see me, I don't know when that will be. And of course, it will be this week at the earliest, or rather at the latest. It's going to be Friday morning for a game preview. I'm always going to try to sneak another episode in between there. But again, right now, it, what is there to talk about other than let's go out, let's win football games, uh, and it is what it is, you know? It's, I actually found when I started making the show, I really thought that I started making the show towards the end of last season. Now, when you're angry, there's always more to talk about than when you're happy. It's just the content just comes smoother, right? It just comes easier when you're trying to vent emotion. It's much, much harder to do when you're happy and everything's going well. There's like no, no, no inspiration in that, right? But I thought with offseason, I was coming up with a pretty good amount of content. Now, ultimately, I tore my Achilles. It was kind of a little inconsistent. But overall... I was really putting out quite a bit more content actually during the off season, I feel like, than I am during the regular season. I thought the regular season would just be simple where the content writes itself. As it turns out, there's a lot more to have fun with in the off season and speculate with, at least as per the show goes, but we're in the middle of the season. So I, I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I say half the things I say. I just say them. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the entire episode. My name is Justin. This right here is the Ride in the Bench Coltscast. If you have not liked, subscribed, or left a review on your favorite podcast platform, Please go ahead and do so, Uh, but until next time, go Colts.